0: It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta, Georgia, to compete for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you, yes, you, Taylor, in the center of the action by giving you a free shot to land in the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you a free shot at $1 at the $1 million top prize when you download and sign up using promo code THPN. If you haven't tried DraftKings, then this, this is the time.
1: It's easy to play. You pick six golfers. You stay under the salary cap. You submit your lineup before the tournament tees off early Thursday morning and sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the scoreboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. That's money. Money be green. Wow. once said. Rack up points for pars birdie finishing position and more so even though you might not be able to hit the course with the pros you're probably not good enough or handsome enough but we still believe in you and Draftkings is going to give you the chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme
0: so you know what now you got that itch how are you gonna scratch it well let me tell you you're gonna go and download the Draftkings app now and use the code thpn during sign up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at $1 million top prize. That's a quite the top prize for $1 million. It's That's code... What's that? It's a good amount of money. It's You're damn right it is. And that is code THPN for those interested. And you can get a free shot at that $1 million top prize only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And we're excited for you to join us for our trade deadline special. As you are listening to this now, it is trade deadline Monday. Hours away from potentially the Sabres roster looking anywhere from kind of different to pretty drastically different. But what we decided we were going to do today is go through player by player on the roster and talk about whether they are somebody who we want to see traded at the deadline, somebody we want to see moved in the off season, or if we believe that they're a part of the long-term future of the team. So Taylor, just before we dive into that though, general thoughts as we are
1: approaching deadline day,
0: well, as it is here, actually, I should say.
1: Yes. So we just watched them uh, beat the Flyers. Very interesting. Yes, we um, did. Game. they came back, they scored three goals in the last five minutes and I guess the main things are that so many, almost the entire team looks better now that Kruger is gone, but especially Middlestat and Asplund. And Ruslan had a nice start now that he's actually had some time to get up. So there's, there's some good things to look forward to because and we'll go over a lot of these guys, but some, uh, some interesting, uh, some guys to look uh, forward to, you know, some, some young guys that are playing well, but also the Sabres are now 500 outside of their 18 game losing streak. <laughs> <laughs> how i mean you know they're 10 10 and three outside of the losing streak which i think they were 0 15 and three in that stretch also also all mark remains above 500 i believe he's now nine six and one or two and the savers no longer have the worst goal differential in the nhl so,
0: unbelievable
1: i guess you could say things are looking up
0: Getting better, certainly getting better. I mean, it's been noticeable, and it's also, you know, I I think it's just impressive that in today's win, they looked pretty stale for the most part in the third period, in my opinion, until that kind of final stretch there. It just did not seem like that they could get into a rhythm, and it was getting to that point where just seeing just their breakouts were really sloppy. It was was bad, and for them to be able to squeak out a come-from-behind win like that I thought was pretty telling of just the fact that it is a it's very very different now with kruger being gone it just seems like the the confidence as a whole for the group seems to be higher it seems like their camaraderie is a bit higher too they seem to be enjoying themselves more out there and they're just playing faster under granado and i think it's just made such a huge difference for them
1: absolutely I mean, they, they look like a different team. They And th- the thing is they look like a mediocre team, which is just a gigantic step up from what they looked at late in the, in the Kruger era. Right. But well, anyway, so that's, that's extra interesting because they still do not have, they don't have Jake McCabe and they won't for a while. They still don't really have Borgian and they don't have Eichel. They've been missing cousins and now Taylor Hall sitting out, which leads us nicely into this total trade deadline thing. Uh, we probably have seen the last of taylor hall you'd have to assume and maybe even uh possible that uh he will be traded by the time you're listening to this mm-hmm. it seems more than possible it seems probable depending on what time you listen to this if you're one of the people that wakes up early on monday and listens thank you but uh he might be gone at some he will be gone probably by the time most people are listening to this so wh- wh- we want to start there
0: yeah, absolutely. So for me with Taylor Hall, I mean, now we're getting reports today that Nick Felino might not a first round pick. I mean, and then when you look at the return for Zajac and for Palmere, I mean, obviously Mary was the main piece of that deal, but it makes me feel a little bit better about the potential for the return that they might get just because it seems like the Felino trade might drop at any minute as well. And so if that happens first, I mean, if a team is willing, if there's multiple teams that are willing to spend a first on Nick Felino, I got
1: to imagine that somebody's going to be willing to spend one on Taylor Hall, right? Absolutely. I'm looking at this right now. Nick Felino, so he's known somewhat for not just his his offense, kind of his defense and leadership as well, but like looking at the, the last four seasons, he has 33, 35, 31 in this season, 16 points. And Taylor Hall, we just talked about last episode, how he's been not as good of a goal scorer, but I mean, God, that's, four years of being a pretty, pretty mediocre second line guy type production. That's not anything impressive. So Hall will get uh, a better deal. So yeah, I, am with you. I kind of hope he goes first to, to kind of boost the market even more for Hall. And and the more we wait, the more likely it is that someone gets desperate. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, maybe you could say it's equally likely that the Sabres get desperate and just want to move them for something, Mm -hmm. but someone else could get desperate too. There's a lot of teams out there. And, and frankly, this year, we know who the playoff teams are already pretty much right so there's maybe two spots that aren't ho- totally solidified so those those playoff teams there's no one that's really running away with it the, the lightning don't have kucherov i, I should say colorado's kind of running away with it they're probably the favorite but it is hockey anything can happen and they will have to face vegas if they want to advance vegas is you know they're very good tampa's still very good without kucherov but besides that i mean like they're worse than they were last year and who who else is there now mm-hmm. Your reigning western conference champions probably aren't making the playoffs you have the north division is being led by toronto so that's all i have to say about that <laughs> <laughs> obviously that's a joke
0: we've talked about that at length
1: yeah <laughs> yes so like these other teams there's there's so many teams that like you could look and be like well we i mean why not why couldn't we win the stanley cup I mean it's a weird year. Why Minnesota might be like that? I know they I don't think they've really been in on any of this, but a team like that that could go, well, why not us? And you, you don't have to look any further than the East Division. One team from the East Division has to make the conference finals, right? Mm-hmm. Same for every division. But like look at the East Division now. Boston's playing terrible. Philadelphia's not gonna make the playoffs. The Islanders, they're probably set at this point. But like they could big, it could be them. It could be Pittsburgh. It could be anyone. So, I think this is more so than any other year going to be kind of a weird, like, uh, there could be strange teams making the playoff runs. There's more teams than ever that think they could make the conference final or final. So, I think there should be a market for Hall.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I think that's a great point, too, that maybe because there are going to be teams out there who are going to think, you know what, this is a weird year. So, let's just make a run and try and make it happen. You know, a first round pick, again, in a draft year coming up, I mean, at least for this season, the, you know, the draft is not the deepest that we've had in a while. We talked about this fairly recently. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty, especially at the top of the draft and really just throughout the entire draft for the 21 draft. And so at least for me too, with the Sabres, I mean, if they're going to be able to somehow get a first for Taylor hall, I would love it if they could do so for the 22 or 23 drafts as compared to this year, It just, you're going to have a higher pick regardless because of where the Sabres are in the standings. And rather than trying to, you know, have a pick in the twenties in a draft where there's a lot of unknown right now on top of like the draft being uh, maybe a little bit weaker. I mean, amateur leagues have not been able to like play at full speed either just with like start times coming late and playing abbreviated seasons. And so you're not even getting to really like fully see guys in terms of, you know, the, the full evaluation process. And so I would much rather if they're able to acquire a first for next year, where you're going to be able to hopefully we'll have a more filled out scouting staff you're going to have more of a filled out front office with an assistant general manager hopefully potentially a team president uh you know or of hockey operations or something like that to kind of oversee things and act as like the deflector of the pagulas that comes along and then you're able to kind of make the full push and hopefully get the full value out of that pick because you know like I said I'd rather be picking have the potential of be picking in the twenties next year, the year following, or even just having the potential of a team f- flaming out too. That's the other thing that you never know. I mean, a team like St. Louis, if you would have gone into this year thinking that St. Louis would be as bad as they are, like not many people really were. So it, it can happen. I mean, it's not likely, but I'd rather them go for a yeah. lottery ticket next year, the year Imagine, following. Imagine
1: um, going into a season with a team's draft pick and it's St. Louis and you're like, be a good pick for us. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, and then, they're like, oh, they start really bad. And you're like, man, could this be like a top 10 pick? And then they win the Stanley Cup and you're like, well, shit. I don't know. That's too far-fetched.
0: Wouldn't know uh, anything about it. Yeah. Sounds oh, ridiculous. Man.
1: So before before we go on, I guess, more than the trade deadline stuff, this is, a, a, I think, a weird point. I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but I did just kind of bring it up. The playoff races are more set than they like ever have been. And... It's been that way for like two weeks, and you would think the opposite of a fifty-six game season, right? Mm-hmm. You would think you'd have more races coming down to the wire. So I would say like game thirty-five for most teams, which games played have been all over the place, but like things have been settled for a, a while. Like just looking at the standings right now, you have the Central Division. Carolina is winning it right now, and there's there'll be some. There, the big thing will be what what seating is and what order teams will play each other because that's all bunched up. But Carolina is fifty-eight points, Tampa's fifty-eight, and Florida's fifty-six. then, so those three are set. They're all making the playoffs. After that, it's like Nashville is 45 points, 42 games. Chicago is 43 and 42. Dallas is 40 and 39. And then Columbus and are pretty much out of it. The East division, all four teams are set already. Washington, New York, Pittsburgh, and Boston are making it. Philadelphia now, Boston has three games in hand and a four-point lead. Over. Philadelphia is collapsing at the same time. I mean, they just lost to us. That's tough. Tough So that's over. Yeah, seriously. Like, they're more likely to finish behind the Rangers than they are to catch uh, Boston. North Division, over. Done. Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Montreal, they're in. Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa are out. Get the Vancouver again in a second. They're an interesting situation. And then the West, so Colorado, Vegas, and Minnesota are in. And then it's like St. Louis, Arizona, kind of San Jose, not really L.A. L.A. can lie to themselves and say they're in. And then Anaheim's totally out. So basically, there's two playoff spots up for grabs right now. Only 40 games into the season. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess another non-Sabers thing real quick. Uh, so Vancouver is – the NHL is going to try to make Vancouver play all of their games. Do you hear this?
0: No. They're going to really try and have them make them all up.
1: Yeah, so, which is I- insane to me for a few That's reasons. That's
0: crazy. So,
1: for listeners that maybe aren't keeping up with Vancouver and don't know, they had a terrible outbreak of the Brazilian strain of the COVID variant in the locker room. So, more than 20 people had COVID, including players and coaches. And there was reports from, like, Darren Dragger and other people that, like, it was really bad and all the players were actually sick, didn't just test positive. They are like, feeling sick and all that. They've been off since March 31st. And... So this, they have 37 games played. So they have 19 games that they haven't played yet. And they're supposed to come back Friday, April 16th. And the season's supposed to end May 11th. So for those uh, math majors out there, that's 26 days. 26 days to play 19 games. Wow. And just just for the record, they have 35 points. Montreal has played one more game. They have one game on hand on Montreal, and they're eight points back. And they're all going to come back from, you know, being sick and whatnot and not everyone will be available right away. So I I guess I should say like NHL, Hey, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) It's insane. Don't do that.
0: All right, Taylor. So you ready to hop into the roster here? That's right. All right. So to start off, let's talk about the team's leading scorer this season so far, Sam Reinhart. He's an RFA at the end of this year. Of course, he was given that one year deal after getting bridged previously Uh, When he really should have gotten a long contract, a long term contract, uh, probably coming out of his ELC, definitely out of the first uh, or the first bridge deal that he got, which again concluded at the end of last season. But his name has been thrown around there from time to time, seemingly pretty consistently when it comes to, you know, trade discussion among fans and sometimes when it even comes to executives as well. Uh, for me, I think it's an easy decision to extend him long-term, not even think about trading him. Where are you at, Taylor?
1: Well, it's, a, well, it's not really about where I'm at. It's about where he's at because he's, he's the key component here because now the power is shifted to him. It's basically up to him to decide if he was—if he's going to sign that contract. If not, I'm really more of the mind to trade him in the offseason just because we're really bumping against the deadline here uh, and you might not get the best deal. And at least, you know, after the season, you could give him timing to be like, okay, what do you really want out of this? And then you, you have a chance to trade him. I don't think his value changes that much, not playing in the playoffs and whatever, 15 games will be left in the season. It's it's an unfortunate thing. And I've, I'm sure our listeners have heard us talk about this before, but you mentioned him potentially getting signed long-term out of his ELC. Well, it was it was an interesting situation. It was actually very advantageous for the Sabres, and Jason Bottrell completely botched it. Which he did with a lot of. I was going to say what? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Who would have guessed?
1: Yeah. So he basically has the same ELC as Eichel because he didn't play his rookie. He didn't play the full nine games. He only played nine games. He didn't. He just so he didn't burn a year of his ELC his rookie year. He just got like a a cameo and then they're like you're not ready and he went back down. Which is a good move. So he gets those three years. The third year the Sabers are terrible. They were the worst team in the league and it was. I don't want to say a big surprise, but it was a moderate surprise. We didn't think they were going to be that bad. It's a big disappointment. It's Housley's first year. They looked awful, and just Sam was not good at all. And we've talked about that before. After the Winter Classic that year, about halfway through the year, he turned around and he was almost a point a game player the second half of the year. Now the problem with that in the first half of the year, he only had like I think fewer than ten points, and it was like, "Uh oh!" Like what the hell is going on? It's not good. And he didn't look good either. He was a different guy. So his value wasn't great at that time, and the Sabres weren't sure if they wanted to sign him long term. So yeah, you can say hindsight's. Isn't that is part of the
0: reason that you'd want to,
1: though? Yes. That's what people get wrong. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's incumbent upon you as a franchise who have been following this guy for four years, who have had him on your team for three years, and now know whatever made him better in that second half of the year, which has continued. He's basically been the same guy now for this is three and a half years, I guess. Whatever all that is, it's incumbent, incumbent upon you to know that and value that properly. And meanwhile, by the way, no one was going to give Sam Reinhardt that kind of money and him being an RFA. Being an RFA when you have multiple years away from UFA status, those guys get screwed worse than anyone. I remember when Kucherov, he was even one of the best players in the league back then. When he was an RFA, he got screwed. He got like 5 or $6 million per year. He has a better contract now, obviously. Right. He's an MVP. But like... Those guys get screwed all the time in the NHL. And that's the best thing you could have if you're the Sabres because you're giving him a good deal for him at that point. He had no idea what his future uh, financial decisions could have been. You could have offered him a guaranteed, let's say 35 million. You could have gone seven by five for 35 that's million.
0: Exactly the number that I had. And in it'd mind. be a
1: steal because you need one of those guys to be on a kind of a steal type contract. If you're looking at teams that are you, even the most successful teams, teams, that you couldn't even probably dream as being successful as, you know, for all those years, the Hawks had a pretty low cap hit on Marion Hosa because uh, uh, cap circumvention, or, or sorry, excuse me, It was a long, a long deal, so they they bought up a you know, a lot of value in making it long term, and then he just happened to retire when he was making less money. Mm-hmm. And he, oh, whatever, uh, but like guys like Brad Marchand, guys like Duncan Keith. Guys that never really made that much money kind of you're kind of surprised by it. you have to get some of those guys on good deals you can't overpay everyone especially because at that point they're they knew at that point they're overpaying oposo all this anyway I don't want to get too much into that but the point is they screwed it up bad right now I want to resign sam long term I want to give Sam like six by eight six by seven six by seven and That's- a half that,
0: that's even, I feel like the, the price might be a little bit high on that. I mean, seven and a half is like, I, I'm with you on the term for sure. I think five or six, definitely. Oh, it's just tough. I mean,
1: you're paying him to stay with a bad, bad franchise. No,
0: you're right. You're right. not
1: cool city in a state with pretty high taxes. So I think that's why they always have to overpay. Uh, but yeah, again, the, the point is like, I want a good long-term deal for him, even if it's six by seven,
0: yeah, Whatever. that's fine. I think six by seven is fine. I think getting up to eight is, yeah, that would if, be a if lot.
1: You don't have a deal going into next season. Trade him.
0: You have to, you absolutely, absolutely. have to, he there's, there's no scenario in this off season where they can sign him to a one year contract, even a two year, it needs to be like four to six years or nothing And I say that as somebody, Sam is on it, like subjectively, Sam is probably my favorite player on the Sabres and has been, I think I've made that pretty clear, but like, you can't do that. It sucks to say, but you can't. And the only reason that, you know, they're in this position is because of their own actions. And it just comes back to, and you alluded to it before, it's the, you know, proact versus react. Jeff Skinner signing was a reaction, which You know, obviously in hindsight now, yeah, of course he's overpaid, but you had the potential there with Sam, similar to what you did with Jack, where you gave Jack 10 million a year before his production was that of a player who was worth 10 million a year, right? You paid him because of what you believed he was going to grow into. And you had to, you, you should have done that with Sam. You know, I know, you know, comparatively speaking to second overall picks, and we had talked about this on our quiz last week, He's not blowing the doors off, but he, you still knew what you had in him with his draft pedigree. And you had the benefit of having pretty much four years of just heavy scouting with this guy, working with this player and understanding, again, like you said, what it is that made him tick. And it's also just a matter of knowing the player, like if their skill set is conducive to what will bring them sustained success. And it's, and again, you said it before, too. They, they've done it far too many times with players where they just miss the mark on that. So, yeah, I mean, I would like to think that they can make it work and that he'll stay, but that's just the optimist in me. And I full well am bracing for the possibility that it could go south. But, you know, who knows? Maybe this, you know, nice little push that they're making now towards the end of the season is going to get morale up a little bit comparatively to ending it on like an 18 game losing streak. You know, you talked about last week about the timing of the losing streak happening when it did. And, you know, it ended pretty much at as good of a time as you had, as you could have hoped for given the circumstances. So do we want to move on to the next player then? Yep. All right, Taylor, next up we have Victor Olofsson. What do you think? Trade at the deadline, trade in the off season or keep around long-term
1: trade in the off season. Uh we've talked about all of a a good amount, but he is more and more people are realizing this around here, a disaster at five on five. He has no value five on five, especially now that Eichel's gone and he hasn't been as good on the power play. And I think that's another uh, situation where Eichel's gone. Like he's not getting set up like he usually is. Mm-hmm. And he has a better shot than most guys in the league. No question, but he doesn't really do anything else at an NHL level. And that's a problem. The reason you trade him instead of just trying to work it out in some ways, I think there's a chance that some teams would overvalue him. Some look at like, hey, he's 24, 25-ish. He's got this really good shot. He had a lot of points. Oh, it was the Sabres. Maybe we could, you know, create a better situation for him than they did. And the team could talk themselves into it. You know, he's, he hasn't been around that long where people probably would get like the, the idea that he can't play or something like that or see his flaws, he's played probably in a neighborhood of maybe not even a hundred NHL games. I'm not sure. He's got to be right around there. And he was a 20 goal guy last year and only about 60 games. So like, that's good. But I, I would be interested in getting what you can out of him because frankly, it's a waste to play him with Eichel at five on five. You can get another guy that can score goals with Jack Eichel. You -hmm. can get another guy that can score in the power play. Maybe not as good of a shot as him, but will provide more overall value for your team. And who knows what someone's willing to pay. Someone just gave you a third-round pick for Brandon Montour. You probably weren't expecting that. Nope. I wasn't expecting that. And and look at at the reaction in the hockey world. No one freaked out about it. Some advanced stats people on Twitter did a little bit, but people – In general, like the ESPN push notification I got about it was like grading the trade. Like, well, Florida could have gotten a bargain if they can, if Brandon Montour can find his defensive game. It's like his defensive game. He's a defenseman. Mm -hmm. He's been in the league for seven years. Find it. Yeah, I found it. It's in the AHL. (laughs) Go get it. So, like, no one knows the flaws of a player better than the fans and media of the team that watch him all the time.
0: That is exactly the way that I feel about Olafson, because the way that other teams may view it is all right, I'm getting a, a 20 goal score, a consistent 20 goal score. You, like you said, he had put up, how many was it last year? 20, exactly. 20. Yeah. Right now he's on a 20, I believe he's on a, like a 22 goal pace. If he were to play across like a full season and that's even with the struggles that he's had at five on five. And yeah, that a lot of that is just attributed to him being that dominant on the power play. But again, you're hoping that a team that's maybe a bit closer than we are overvalues that and is looking to, you know, be more in win now mode and kind of fill in a hole that they may have on the roster. And through that, then maybe you're able to get a guy who has a much better all around game who can contribute more at five on five for you. So I'm totally with you there when it comes to trading him in the off season. I don't think that this is a deadline move by any means, but I do think that that could be a pretty interesting piece for them. You know, I think the idea of using Olofsson as a piece to acquire talent in return makes a lot more sense to me than the same logic being applied to Ryan Hart.
1: Yeah. So I'm looking at this now. Olafson today was actually his hundredth game and he has 33 goals in those 100 games, but 19 of them are on the power play. Mm-hmm. So is what it is.
0: Is what it is indeed. All right. Let's move on now. Uh, We had talked about Taylor Hall already. He was uh, third on the team in points, but now we have Jack Eichel. So we know that a move at the deadline is obviously not going to happen with Jack being injured, and there has been some buzz put out into the universe regarding uh, trade rumors with Jack Eichel, Taylor do you think it's worth moving him in the off season or is it a stick around wait until next year or just never even think about it?
1: No, I'm, I'm on the record of not wanting to move him, And I'm I'm not really a, an objective person here. It's just that I don't, if they're moving him, they're rebuilding. And I'm not really in for that right now, to be honest. I'm not, I know they probably need to, but I'm, I don't want to. So I'm going to say no. The other thing is though, he has quite a few years left in his deal and you're not going to win that deal. And in fact, I think, is a really hard guy to trade because I think for most teams that could match it, it's not worth it or it's not the right time for them to try to match it. And if not, you're just going to be getting killed on a the trade. There was a trade that went viral, a trade uh, proposal from NHL, like from Brian Lawton, I think that was like Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin for Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes, who says no.
0: I was really hoping we weren't going to talk about this absolute well, nonsense
1: the reason why it's such a bad trade is because i think a lot of fans on both teams were like no way and, and you know what here's the thing though they're both right why would the devils be trading for jack uncle right now what are they like like why would they do that they're not ready to win they're not even close they're not good at all like i don't know i don't really know what their trajectory is but it's like okay they have jack hughes they have he who's pretty young they have a couple interesting guys, but overall they don't have a good team. And I don't really know which direction they're going in. And the Sabres like, no, that's, that's an awful trade. I wouldn't trade. Well, we'll get to them later, but you know, Darlene's not someone I'm looking to trade right now for various reasons. And I
0: agree with this premise, but I would say that I think that it makes less sense on the Sabres side than it would on the devil side, because I agree that they aren't close and they aren't in any kind of a, you know, win now mode or they're kind of on the cusp and, you know, this is the big piece that they need. Um But for the Sabres, I mean, I just don't see the the value that you're getting returned out of that matching. And especially, you know, with Darlene, that even just creates a, a bigger hole on the blue line that you already have. I mean, that creates a crater on the blue line, at least with Dalene well, for one. Now, I mean, we're starting to look, he's starting to look much better. And I think that that was proposed, right around when he really had kind of started to turn things around a little bit or when it was really starting to get talked about more like in mass outside of maybe just like the Buffalo community, uh, like the Buffalo hockey circle. But to me, that trade did not make sense for, I mean, my initial thought were the Sabres, but that is a good point though, that the devils, I mean, what, I guess from Eichel, when it comes to that, like with the salary, but also you do make that because then you get, a top-line center, the top-five center, I should say, and a piece on the blue line for them that they would not otherwise be able to come into.
1: True. That's true. And I'm looking at this now. So people have said that they would not do a Jack Eichel for Jack Hughes trade uh, for Straight various up. reasons. Yes. And I would like to say this, and I, I know I, I maybe have don't have a, a great reputation on this podcast for being right about prospects when they're struggling early, I'm going to call this right now. Jack Hughes is not a star. He is not a star. Ooh. We have played Jack Hughes a lot this year. I'm not that impressed. He, I mean, he's 20, right? So he's, let's see, how old is he? He's, he's only 19, mm-hmm. but so he has room to improve. Definitely. But it is a concern that he came out his first year and had 20. He just also played his hundredth game. Actually he had 21 points in his rookie year. This year he has 21 points in 39 games, which is an improvement, I guess I'm having 21 points in 61 games. But over the course of a full season, he'd be on pace for in the low 40s and points on everything. But it's like, man, he has 16 goals in 100 games.
0: For a first overall pick, yeah.
1: Yes, that's kind of disappointing. Like, Eichel was playing on a bad team. Eichel was playing in, I don't want to say an era, like it's a completely different era, but scoring was lower at that point than it is now. He was 11th in points per game his second year in the IHL. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't 11 in points because he was hurt and he missed the like, first 15 or so games. But people should be concerned and, and frankly, I'm going to say this about the second overall pick in that draft, who's also been in Eichel trade rumors, Capo Caco. Yikes. Capo Caco is another person people throw around like that, and he's another guy we've seen a ton of this year. And you know what? I don't see it. I, I know I don't want to too, too early of a judgment on Lafreniere. Uh, he also hasn't produced a lot this year, but Caco... Usually by your second year, and this is the problem I have with both of them, your second year in the NHL, well, this has been a disjointed time, COVID and all that have screwed things up. Kako has played 99 games. He has 34 points. He also has 16 goals. This year, though, he's 11 points in 33 games. It's bad. His underlines are bad. It's not good. Like, I, I want to see a little bit more. Like, you're, you're getting up to that high of a, a number of games. Like, you should be producing more. You should be mm-hmm. – like, if you watch the Rangers and you were like, okay, this team has an MVP candidate, you're just, you're showing this to someone who has no idea anything, but they can kind of tell just by watching, you know, who's their, who's their MVP candidate? Who's the guy that was the runner up last year? They would say Panarin. Like you would still think that it's like, okay, they have two really good young guys. These guys are amazing. Watch out for them. They'd be like, is it Mika and Adam Fox? No. It's Capo Caco and Alexis Lafreniere? Yeah. If any Rangers fans are listening, they're probably laughing at like, hey, Sabres fan, how can you say this? And I would tell you right now, the same way I would tell you about your New York Jets, that I am an expert in prospects that are going to fail the way I'm an expert in bad quarterbacks that are doomed to fail. I'm uniquely positioned. Wow. So are you, obviously. We both of course. Are, it's what well, we know. Most Buffalo sports fans are. If you're willing to be honest with yourself, it's never going to work. I can already tell you Zach Wilson's going to be bad,
0: but <laughs> so we were born into, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm joking about Zach Wilson. However, I mean, a lot of these prospects kind of suck. So I, I, I don't, I don't want to make the trade. Nico, Heisher's fine. Fine. If he's your second line center, you're that's probably a playoff team. Good. If you're a really good team, that's going to be for the cup. He'd probably be your third line center. I guess. I mean, he's, he's a good all around guy, but he's again, he's a first overall pick and I don't think he blows the door off the place the way like Eichel does. So the, it's kind of, was interesting about that trade. That's- His
0: draft, too, is also, though, for what it's worth, pretty underwhelming number two overall pick with Nolan Patrick. He is not that's right out at all.
1: Nolan Patrick, uh, yeah, so that's I guess that kind of covers the Eichel trade stuff, but that that, trade, that was <laughs> Don't kind of annoying. do it.
0: That's our stance. Don't yeah. do it.
1: Like, <laughs> if I was the Devils, though, I wouldn't be looking to trade for Eichel specifically. No. You well, know what I mean, and even for but- the,
0: from the Sabres perspective, too, though, we've mentioned this before, but there's maybe I could think of two teams off the top of my head that I would listen to on Eichel trade offers. And it would be with the mindset of, as you had said before, that you are looking to maybe not do like a full scale, burn it all down rebuild, but you're, you know, for a year, you're going to take a step back and you're trying to develop younger guys. I'd say two teams I would maybe listen to other than that. And I'll tell you right now, the devils and the Rangers aren't one of them, but It's not even the time. Anyways, this has been a a crapshoot of a year on top of it. Just of course, being just weird when it comes to the pandemic, the thing that everybody's got to keep in mind too, and I am even guilty of this as well. So I'm more so speaking this into the existence as a reminder for myself, but Jack has been playing hurt when he was, when he was playing, he was hurt all year. As far as we know, we'll probably get more once we get to the end of the year to get like a better idea of just how bad things were. But The coach was caught in a lie about the guy being injured. So who knows what else could be going on and how severe things actually are. Um, And he did look like a different player, you know, the first half of the season. I know people have made a point to bring up that his underlying defensive metrics were pretty stellar. But was that a result of him compensating for something because he wasn't able to fully give it his all in his usual self on offense? You know, he was not as dominant as we've seen him be in past years. And, you know, that's something that you could say and be concerned about for maybe a guy who's like 27, 28, 29. But Jack is what, 23, 24? So for me, I just am completely okay with just this year for him being a wash and full on looking to next year. I really don't care about that much about him coming back unless he's like really, really good to go. Like before the end of this season, because I would just rather him just not run the risk of getting injured or tweaking something. If there's even the slightest chance that he could aggravate something further. So shut him down for the rest of the year, give him a full normal, regular off season of just getting back into shape, skating shape and be at full strength for the 2021-22 season for me. It's not even really a question of, of thinking of doing it this year because there's just so much unknown. Because if you do that and you just shut him down the rest of the way and let him be fully healthy for next year, it is far more likely than not that we're going to get the guy from last year than the guy that we're going to get at the who we had at the start of this season. All right, so next on our list, fifth on the team in scoring this season is Rasmus Stalin with 17 points in 41 games. Taylor, you had alluded to it a little bit before. Where are you at right now with Darlene and his long-term outlook on the team?
1: So I obviously see, need to see a lot more before I get too excited about him or, or how he's playing. But the main thing that I wanted to get at from earlier is that this is a terrible t- time to trade for someone like Darlene. Or trade him or trade for him, whatever. But for the Sabres perspective, this is not a good time to make a trade. Uh, there, I am very, very much pro. Like to what I was saying about Reinhardt earlier, if you – you know better than anyone else about your own prospects. So if you have an indication that your prospect uh, is not as good as you think, make a trade before anyone else expects it. There's probably a hockey version of this I can think of, but the one that always comes to mind is the Kansas City Royals in 2013. They had the number one prospect in baseball in Will Myers, and they were a rebuilding team. They were young, and they traded him for James Shields, and Wade Davis and it was like okay well that's interesting because they only have two years left to Shields three years left to Davis and they have all this team control of Will Myers who's younger and it's like what's their big rush and they're trading with a Rays, so people kind of thought like oh they lost of course they're going to lose the trade they're trading with the Rays. and year one it looked like they did lose the trade because Will Myers was AL rookie of the year but Will Myers has been around a good while now and he is just a pretty okay guy he's good solid mm-hmm. player but he's not number one prospect
0: in baseball. Good.
1: Yes. And they knew that they knew his outfield defense was weak. They knew he like struck out too much. They knew he wasn't going to be the hitter that could justify uh, them not moving him. So they, they knew everyone valued him more than they did. So they made the trade. And as a weird aside, it turned out that Wade Davis briefly was the best reliever in baseball. (laughs) Who knows? That kind of deal is a deal I'm in favor of. The problem with that is if you are Rasmus Dallian, if you have Rasmus Dallian, former first overall pick, guy who's been playing for all three years, guy who's very publicly embarrassed himself a lot this year <laughs> on defense, uh, a guy who's was thought of to be like a, a defenseman McDavid type prospect. Well, guess what? You're never, ever going to have the cover of being like, oh, well, maybe. Mm, Everyone else knows as much about him as you do. Because there's too many eyes on him and there always has been. There's no way to make that kind of deal where you're like, we know he sucks. Someone will overpay for him. It's not happening. It probably isn't happening, at least. It's, it's tougher to make that deal. So don't trade him when his values this low after he like had to deal with Kruger's idiotic system and, and poor coaching. It's, it's obvious that he's already better under Granado. Now you need to, he needs to have a big off season. He needs to come back a lot better than he's been, even better than he was the second year. He needs to be significantly improved, but this is—I don't even think about trading him. No, I, I'm not competing long term either. They have to. I don't know what kind of contract they're going to give him, but that—that kind of goes back to what I said about Sam. He might be in a similar spot to Dalene. Hmm.
0: No, absolutely. And we had a couple of weeks ago. It was maybe right before Kruger had gotten fired, or actually, it may have even been a little bit after. But it was when Dalene was still in the middle of that just downward tailspin that he was in especially through that 18 game losing streak but you know people were starting to like put the idea out there of it and I know on the podcast we had said the point that I had made was before this season I wouldn't even have thought about it but because of just how bad he had looked it wasn't I was like I was banging on the door saying like trade him trade him trade him but it's like you as you're saying have to know if something's up with a prospect then. A move needs to get made and, or at least needs to be considered not saying that it had happened or that I wanted it to happen, but like if something really was up with him and like you just said, he's a completely different player under Granado now. And it's like, as we've seen him again, kind of get the the reins taken off a little bit and let him just do his thing he's looking more and more like the player who he used to be and who we thought he was going to be. And for me with that too, I think a big thing to keep in mind here is like, it's not going to happen overnight where he's just gonna, uh, you know, all of a sudden like switch back, you know, to me, it feels like we're in kind of like the growing page stage of this a little bit where it's like, okay, you cut off Kruger. Now he's out. Now we're starting to see some of the flashes and, you know, finish out this year, rack up some points, gain some confidence. And then next year, when you have your head coach, who hopefully they will get somebody who is going to properly utilize him. And hopefully this is showing them, them being the Pagulas, Kevin Adams management, that when you are hiring, whoever the next coach of this organization is going to be, maybe the most important question that you're going to have to ask them and get the answer to is, how they plan to utilize Rasmus Dalin. because if it's anything that is a semblance of what Kruger was saying with having to like hunker down and force him to be this like defensive, like overly two-way kind of guy, send him packing. Like that's not the kind of guy who we need. You need to get somebody who is doing what Granada was doing and is, who is letting him like take the leash off, play the game that he wants to play, let him skate with the puck, bring it up through the ice into the opposing zone, have him be a threat with the puck on his stick. You know, that is like the key thing. And as long as you're able to get somebody who's going to really buy into that and make sure that he's utilized in that way, then it, it can't even be a, a, a blip on their radar to think about trading him until you actually give him the chance to thrive under a coach who wants to utilize him the way that he needs to be utilized.
1: That's right. And good news on the trade front for us. Toronto is traded for Nick Foligno. And they gave up a first two fourths for Felino and Stefan Nosen. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it looks like I, I don't have all the details yet, but um, look at Elliot Friedman. It looks like it might be one of those three team trades or one team is there to facilitate money, which we just saw with Savard. The Savard mm-hmm. trade the other day. I don't know if you saw that. Some people yep. seem to be upset about that. But basically the third team uh, exists to make the initial trade retain some of the money, get a prospect out of it, and then trade it to the team so the team can retain even less money. You just need a a third team there to make the money work. Mm -hmm. Like for example, let's say, you know, you have player X making uh, $10 million or whatever. And team A is like, we can't take, we can't hold on to any more than five. And the team B, the trading form is like, well, we can't pay any more than three. So another team they could facilitate it through earlier can say, okay, we'll trade for him, hold on to 2 million of that, and then let it go. So it's that kind of deal. So that's interesting. You're seeing that more and more this year. Uh, that's a big return for Nick Foligno. I just laid big out a return. i do not not that impressed with him. So that's interesting. That that should bode well for Hall.
0: Fingers crossed. Yeah, who knows? Maybe yeah. as we're recording right now, we'll, we'll get the news on Hall. Uh, yeah. But... All right. Let's move on now off of Darlene and into the next player on this list, who is somebody who I think we're both going to have the same answer on Rasmus and Taylor, trade at the deadline, move in the offseason, or keep around for the long haul?
1: Trade in the offseason. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. His value is destroyed. Now everyone knows like we, kind of what I was talking about earlier, like, now people people know what Risto is. But He's is
0: bad. his value, I mean, his value, I would say, compared to, I guess, what it was like four or five years ago is probably destroyed, but, like, I don't know if I'd go as far to say that it's completely destroyed considering Nick Felino just got traded for a first and two fours. Somebody's got to
1: think that this somebody's got to overvalue this guy. Maybe they should trade for him at the deadline. Trade him at the deadline, I should say. Maybe if they that's do that. what
0: the running rates are going to be, I mean...
1: Crazy. Uh so yeah, Risto. I mean, how many times have we said this? Yeah, there's
0: there, there doesn't need to be much more. I think we'll probably need to have to
1: trade a... him so coaches will stop playing him. Every coach thinks he should play 20 minutes a night, and it's led to nothing but negative results for seven years. Time to pull the plug, get what you can. Could be addition by subtraction, not frankly.
0: Well, this next one on the list, I'm just gonna go ahead and answer for us both. Uh, Kyle Apozo, buyout in the offseason. Done. Anything else to add? <laughs>
1: Uh, no, he's been like, uh, I would say this, if he was on Eakins contract, I would be bringing him back for one more year.
0: Oh yeah. Of course. (laughs)
1: Makes too much money. And we, there are a lot of changes that need to be made. There's a lot of moves that need to be made. And I'm sorry, this all gets kind of screwed up and you have two years left at 6 million a year. Can't do it. No, thanks for the help. And he's been a lot better the past few weeks, but see ya.
0: All right. And somebody who we've talked about at length in a very positive light, especially lately, Casey Middlestat, who had added an empty net goal today. He's on, a, I think, now five or six game point streak at this point, has drastically looked better this season. And, you know, while he doesn't necessarily hold the value that an eighth overall pick would, you know, you'd want them to have, he's shown pretty definitively that he belongs in the NHL and he could be a fixture on this team. Where are you at with Casey Taylor? Do you, is he a, a movable piece either at the deadline or in the off season or do you want to keep him around?
1: Uh, my goal would be to, yeah. Cause he's another guy that his value probably won't be that high in the offseason and he's getting better seemingly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Is he up? Is he need another deal? I'm yeah. Gonna have to get another yep. one year deal in that case. That'd be my preference.
0: Yeah. To me, Casey feels like the kind of player, just the position that he's in right now that I wouldn't trade him in like a one for one kind of a deal where you're just trying to maybe swap a guy or you're just trading him for the sake of trading him. The only instance at this point that I'm cool with them trading him is if he is a pot sweetener to a bigger deal that helps net you like a bigger return, then I'm completely okay with it. But I don't think that they should look to trade him you know, just to try and like recoup some value off of him or something like that. You know, I think he could be a solid contributor on the third line next season and barring, you know, an offer like that. I think that'd be worth, worth keeping him around. Yeah, absolutely. So what about Riley Sheehan? So he was brought in late in the off season, one year deal, got him on a nice little veteran discount there or veteran minimum, I should say. Um, do you, do you care about having him on the squad after this season? Or are you good to move on even though he has been okay?
1: Uh, I do not think about it, but I, he'd be the guy if I was going to bring back any of the offseason season acquisitions, it'd probably be him. Mm-hmm. But I think they might be fine without him thinking about the bottom six. Now, like you'll probably, well, we'll talk about them, but you'll have Asplund, you'll have metal stat. You may or may not have Tage, You might have R2. You'll have Gergensen's back
0: so many bottom six guys and i think he's replacement level so it's like if you can get somebody yeah. like a, a fresh face in there to do it then why not who can maybe yeah. give you more i mean you know what Sheen is you know he's probably maxed out this season at what he could be so similar similar setup actually similar role player but a guy who's been around a little bit longer curtis lazar taylor do you think that he's the kind of guy that we want to have as a fixture on the fourth line next season, or do you feel that he's somebody that they can replace pretty easily and get that production back?
1: Is he a free agent? Yeah. Isn't he UFA? Probably. UFA. Yeah,
0: he would be, he would be. Yeah. Uh, if not, maybe he, he might have one more year. Actually you go ahead and talk, but I'm going to double check on that right now
1: if he has a year left and absolutely just keep him around for the bottom line, he's been solid. And he's a guy that was a, a bigger prospect than a fourth liner. People thought he's going to be better than that. And he wasn't and he re- reinvented himself and he's carved out a nice little niche for himself. Um, if not, I wonder if you could get him on a two way or if he Hope you just- got
0: him for one more year at 800,
1: Never mind, He stays
0: good with me as well. Moving down the list. We have somebody who is pretty much, I think guaranteed to be moved on Monday. And that would be, Colin Miller on defense acquired from Vegas and what was a pretty promising deal. I would say, uh, originally, you know, he had shined in a, in a third pair a third pairing role with Vegas was pretty decent on the power play for them, uh, put up pretty good numbers and it kind of seemed like he could have been a guy when they brought him on board that he was ready to step up into a new role, take a bigger role with the team. And he has not done that pretty disappointing. Are you pretty much at the point that it's foregone conclusion? He'll be gone tomorrow? Well, Monday? Um,
1: I don't know. I, I think so. Yeah. I don't, I don't have too much to say. about Yeah. It.
0: Yeah. I think I, I personally think so. I mean, in either way, I I'm pretty sure he has one year left on his deal. And to me, I've seen enough of him that if you can get something for him, similar to Montour, if you can get something in return, get it make way for the younger guys for next season. It's just, he, he'll be, he'll be another person just to add into the log jam. If they keep him around, does he have another year
1: left? I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah, man. He is one of the most blah, forgettable savers of this drought. And that's saying a lot. There have been a lot of blah, forgettable guys. I mean, this guy was playing on a, a team that was in the Stanley cup. Mm-hmm. Yep. three point eight seven five for one more year. Oh, that's way more than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, you know, If you get someone to take him, trade him when you can. If you can't do it tomorrow, do it in the offseason at some point. I'm not interested in him.
0: Yep. Agreed. This is going to be an easy one for us. Dylan Cousins. Yeah. Yeah. We feel good about him. You know, just wait and see what happens.
1: Get well, soon.
0: Next, yeah, right. Yeah, next year I think is going to be a big year for him. I think one of the things that we're both going to be looking out for is really to see the point production you know come become a little bit more consistent with what the eye test is telling us because he does look good out there he looks like he belongs he makes good plays made a great play today led to well he had the assist on r2 rustleinan's goal which was great um pretty much textbook him for what we saw you know made him a top end prospect when he was playing in juniors so cousins i would say the only real thing of note that I, I guess of substance that I have on him is just next season. I want to just see him really start to put together, uh, you know, the points and, and starting to see him score up on the score sheet more than just him making the nice plays during the game that maybe don't show up somebody though, that is a little bit more uh, debatable. And by a little bit, I mean, a lot more Tage Thompson after this season, he will be signed for two more years at, I believe a $1.4 million cap hit. Where are you at with Tage Taylor?
1: I don't know if Tage is tradable. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would hope he is and they can get someone to take him for that money. Tage is, uh, he's not good. And I know he's looked better under Granada than he did Kruger. But like, just looking at this man, he has 28 points and 14 goals in 129 NHL games. That is so bad. Wow. Casey Middlestad is significantly ahead of him with all the struggles he's even had. I mean, what, what do you say about that? 28 points in 129 games.
0: And what he, I say is that he's probably just going to be the 13th forward next year. I mean. He probably is. And he's, yeah.
1: he's he's the guy that fails the eye test bad. He doesn't look like he belongs. He looks like the game is too fast for him mentally, mentally. He doesn't have good hands.
0: For every one dazzling in play zone. that he makes stick handling, there's probably about five other plays that are just total mishaps that lead to either turn or are turnovers or lead to turnovers.
1: Yeah. He's – yeah, I, I'm not excited. I didn't realize he was here for two more years after this. Jesus. Yeah, they
0: signed him to a three-year deal. Yeah.
1: Man, I remember they did that for Gergensen's, obviously, but should have brought back Larson.
0: God, I would have rather had him over both. Toby Reeder, Taylor. What do Go you on. think about Toby? Uh, see ya. Okay. Sounds good to me. I'm with you on that. I don't think there's much more that needs to be said. He's been a pleasant surprise on the PK. I mean, he's fine, but I don't think it's anything that you're really going to be missing out on. I don't think next year we're going to be like, damn, I wish we still had Toby Reader. Yep. But now Jeffrey Skinner is up next. Can you believe that actually that,
1: all those guys have more points than Skinner
0: reader hey. has reader has the same amount of points as Skinner. Yeah.
1: Is this updated for today's game though? Skinner uh, a that assessed. could
0: be, that might be incorrect. Yeah. This actually might not be. So Skinner, did, what is he up to now?
1: He had a goal and assist today. It's his first Wait. multi-point game.
0: Yeah. You know what? I don't think that this is updated because Skinner should then he'd be up to eight points this year. Right. Or did he? Yep. Yeah. So then, yeah. Yep. So uh, Skinner has eight points. Yeah. Reader right now. Sits at six. And Tage, did he have a point today? Tage, I don't know. I don't think
1: so. Well, regardless, well, he he definitely got some good exercise in. So good for him.
0: He did. He really good so cardio day.
1: Moving on to Skinner though. Skinner is uh, untradable uh, with this contract. I leave him exposed for for Seattle, right? For the course,
0: of course, yeah.
1: They won't take him, but I do leave him exposed. And then after that, it just it's not about trading him or, or making a different plan. It's just play him uh, with some guys that don't suck. Like, I think he, to an extent, can carry, but he, he can carry play to an extent at five on five. But it's been kind of proven this year that he's... He's not capable of, like, really dominating on offense the way... I guess he had in the past at five on five. You know what I mean? So I think at this mm-hmm. point he does probably, it'd be better just playing with someone
0: like those I goals agree. just
1: aren't going to come from anywhere. Like, I think it's clear. You can't just put Tage on the second line and be like, well, he can score goals now. Cause he's with, let's say Sam Reinhardt center. That will not happen, but it will for Jeff Skinner. And I think that's a better use of your time and, you know, just have a tough bottom six with maybe Casey scoring mm-hmm. by tough. I mean, tough to play against not punchy face grit, tough guys that play good defense,
0: right? I completely agree. I think with Skinner, you have to make a point. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You have to make a point to get him back on track. You can't just sit there and, you know, try and turn him into what you ended up doing with a where you have him be like this bottom six guy. That's not what I want. And also, even though he was driving play with Lazar and reader when he was playing with them earlier in the season, I don't want him to be doing that. I don't want him to have to drag around two other you know inconsequential forwards who really aren't going to be able to contribute anything I don't want him to I guess be the centerpiece necessarily of a line and when I say that I don't mean you know that I have to have see him with Jack but I want to see him with Sam if he's not with Jack you got to give him something to work with and who knows maybe in the offseason they're able to bring somebody else in maybe Next year, you know, if they are going to run like an Eichel-Reinhardt-Cousins setup down the middle, I mean, that gives you a lot of flexibility as well with where you can put Skinner because I'm fine with him playing with any of those guys. But he just can't be not only like the go-to guy on a line, he can't be the only guy on a line.
1: Right, definitely.
0: He can't, like, I just don't want him to have to drag other players around. Like, I'd much rather have Jack drag around two guys who can't do anything rather than Skinner. Absolutely. After Jeff Skinner, though, we have Henry Yoki Haru. So he is another guy like Darlene that has benefited greatly from Ralph Kruger's firing. He's looked a lot better, uh, both on like the eye test and when it comes to his underlings. And so since Kruger has been fired, I should say. So where are you at with Rookie are You Taylor? Do you think that it's time to move on from him? Do you think that he's worth keeping around and he might be a fixture, you know, whether it might be in the uh, in the bottom two pairs?
1: Yeah, I will keep him and give him another run at least. Uh, I haven't loved this year from him, and he's kind of flown under the radar because a lot of guys are disappointed. But he's young and he was interesting enough last year, and he's played a little bit better recently. So I, I I think it's worth bringing him back.
0: Fair enough, I completely agree. I think it's worth seeing what you have on him for for next year. I think that's the case with a handful of these guys. There's there's like the core players to me who have like shown some semblance of being useful and i'm okay with keeping them but everybody else i could just take it or leave it at this actually no definitely leave it i want new blood if yeah. you know we, we know this and speaking of new blood dear god i i hope this guy is somehow gone in the off season but uh what do you make of cody eakin
1: yeah the i heard this player. really but they have to buy him out or waive him like it's insane how how bad they've been for 10 years and how many disappointing guys they have that they so rarely wave guys.
0: Right. we we'll up
1: with this later, but there was like four guys on waivers today. There's guys on waivers every week. Far Shane better Gossesper players got than, waved this year.
0: Far better players than Cody Eakin. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, he he's maybe the worst player in the NHL, at least forward. And just looking at the bottom six next year, like you have to make room for guys like Asplund guys like roots, and middle stat, Lazar even Gergensen will be back and at that point there's like not even room for him
0: right yeah absolutely I'm way more into the I mean you just said five guys right there and and
1: Tage Tage apparently is under contract for two more years he's in the (laughs) third he's
0: 13 he doesn't count in the line combinations yeah Yeah. I'm with you I mean they have to do something he can't be on the team next year he flat out can't he can't because Jet
1: couldn't jack quinn get some time next year maybe if he's good
0: maybe if he's ready i mean why not i mean i don't you know if have him blocked be ready. by this guy
1: What's I, him? There's, there's you don't want cody Egan blocking him there's no way around this he's as bad as anyone in the nhl right now and, and it's not Absolutely. a new thing it's it's basically been since the third second or third week of the season so when he hasn't played with cousins he's been a nightmare uh set him packing. no way
0: right Definitely. Well, and then for our next guy who we have up after a promising run of play over the last couple of games has definitely looked like he's maybe regressed a little bit on some of that. I'm um, talking about Jacob Bryson. I want to say people were talking today. I, I just seen a few people bring it up and rightfully so, as I mentioned before, you know, he had a really nice stretch of play um, about a month or so ago. He was looking really good. I remember on like the NBC sports broadcast uh, maybe like a week or two ago, they had compared him to uh, Greslick Grzell- from yeah. Boston. And, you know, he was getting a lot of hype. And then lately he has definitely faltered a bit. He does not seem to be very defensively responsible. Um, is he someone Taylor that you want to keep around? Or is he maybe like a, a pot sweetener on a deal? I, I guess, do you feel as though Bryson is a guy that could be a contributor next year who will not drive you crazy with his defensive lapses. And the one point I want to make too, before you answer that is that I think an important piece of context to Bryson's not great play as of late is that he also is playing with Ristolainen. So just putting that into the, into the universe for everybody to digest and think about.
1: Yeah. So next year, so obviously Montour is gone and Miller may or may not be traded this offseason. So you're going to bring back, bring back Darlene, Yokiharu, Borgen, for sure. Risto will probably be brought back regardless of what we just said. You never so that's, know. That's four. Yeah. I mean, you, you might just bring back Bryce. I mean, I don't know that you're probably going to assign some guys too on defense. It's funny. Remember they had like 15 defensemen <laughs> last year. Yep. I think, I think we both think McGabe is probably going to book it out of here.
0: I would think, I mean, unless yeah. again, they do in a uh, Gergensen's thing where they have to overpay him to keep him around. But again, at that point, like, I don't even want them to do that necessarily. Yeah, I, mean, I know McCabe was good this year. Don't get me wrong. And you know, for the right price, I would probably be okay with bringing him back, but I would say as a whole though, I'm more of the belief that like, you just got to get new blood in here. You got to get some of these guys who have been around for like a while, like Bristol line and, like out of here and make way for some of the younger guys. I'm willing to see what Bryson can do maybe in like a bottom pair role where you have a very defensively responsible defenseman on the other side of him um, to kind of offset each other a little bit. But more than that, I don't think that his prospects are anything too crazy to write home about. Agreed.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Okay. So Steven Fogarty and Matt Irwin, I'm just going to skip over them because I don't think it really needs to be said that we want them back. Like we don't want them on the team next year. I don't think anybody in their right mind is going to be pounding the table wanting to see either of those guys back. But next up on the list, as we're getting more towards the bottom now, let's uh, we could kind of couple these two guy last two skaters together. It's R2 and Will Borgen.
1: I mean, you should bring both back, right? I don't know if our is R two already under contract for next year.
0: I think he has another year. I can double check, but
1: yeah, I think, I think so. And then Borgian. Yeah. borgen was really cool for like the four games he was around. <laughs> so I, I'd be interested in bringing both those guys back. Obviously. I think they should both be solid contributors next year. There's no reason why not.
0: Agreed. I'm pretty high on both of these guys. I would say, um, I'm looking up Bruce Delano right now. Yes. He is under contract. For next season, so Rustalainen, I mean, I think that he fills a really sizable void in the bottom six, which is bottom six players who are actually good. Um, that's not something that the Sabres are too familiar with right now, and and haven't been for quite a while. But I mean, he showed today like he has some offensive prowess on top of seemingly being a pretty defensively responsible kind of two way player. So I'm very intrigued by what he can bring. I mean, he showed that he can score, especially in, in Mm -hmm. Liga, but now I'm excited to see him get this extended stretch down the rest of the way. I mean, at this point, I don't think that there's any reason that he shouldn't play every single game the rest of the way, no rests, none of that. Let him play it out and see what he can do. Even though it is a very abbreviated NHL schedule, you're not going to be playing until next year. And you only have, you have less than 20 games left. So why not see what you can do? Borjan for me, Really like him a lot. I think he's going to, I mean, who knows, depending on what the way that they're able to fill out the rest of their roster this off season, maybe that's a nice little third pair, him and Bryson together again, because you're having a guy who's more defensively responsible and he looked good while he was playing. So very intrigued by him. Uh, I, I'm hoping that we're finally hitting this point where there's just a bunch of these younger guys who, you know, after going so long of consistently having to complain about the Sabres having these, you know roadblocks of old guys who are preventing them from playing younger guys it finally seems like next year is going to be the one where all of those guys are going to be able to break through but to be able to do that they're going to have to do a good job of filling out the rest of their roster which is going to be quite a big task so we will see yeah. but switching over to the goalies now we had talked about lena salmark a bit earlier in the episode we talked about him a bunch since he's been back from injury he is i think performing what probably like the Vatican could consider to be like a miracle by God uh, sure. and being above 500 with this horrendous team. But now who actually is like looking kind of good, I think in large part because of Lena Salmark. So any interest in trading him, if he has any semblance of wanting to stick around or do you think like, you know, if he wants to stay, he's got to stay put.
1: Yeah. He, uh I would, I would be interested in bringing him back because he, he's gotten better he's he, this is his best year so far and I think he's been consistently getting better since he came up in 2015 which is crazy five and a half years ago and he's he's gotten better to the point where I think he's at least you know earned another look so give him that look.
0: and if you have the option to why not just bring in somebody to be a an adequate backup because the backup situation I mean we know Carter Hutton's gonna to be gone so
1: is that the next guy you wanted to bring
0: up? I was going to yes.
1: Just gonna do the, the Ari Gold GIF from entourage the get the fuck out. <laughs> See ya. Jesus. Carter. Try not to bump into the wall on your way out, buddy. That was mean. I'm sorry. But cool. I, I'm not really used to dealing with bad goaltending. I've dealt with uh poor goal scoring our you know pretty much our entire lives, even when they were good, outside of like 05 to 08, basically. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't deal well with good goaltending. We have got pretty lucky for a lot of these years with with Hasek and Miller and Barron and even Leonard to an extent, even though he had a bad last year. And Olmark's been pretty good. I, Carter Hutton, good Lord. Awful.
0: <laughs> what more needs to be said than that? That's- Seems
1: like a nice guy, but... Yeah. yeah, that's.
0: The, I don't think you need to really put more of a finer point on it than that, because I feel the same way. This just—it's not even a, a thought. I mean, who knows? He might even be retired after this year. Like, I don't know of anybody who would want to bring him on unless it's you can get him on like a two-way deal to be like an AHL goalie or something. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Like,
1: <laughs> I think he would just retire in that case. Well, yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, I don't know how much he just like really wants to keep going, but like he might be done playing hockey at the end of this year. Yeah. Wow. Well, Taylor, any last thoughts that you want to share uh before we sign off? Uh, you know, ahead of trade deadline as people are listening to this as all the trades are coming through.
1: Um well, you wanted to say something about Victor Mete, didn't you?
0: I do actually, yeah. So Montreal very surprisingly placed Victor Mete on waivers today. Not, I guess, that surprising, just considering how they've handled him and I guess really how they have assessed their defensive core, but I 1 million percent think the Sabres need to put in a claim for Victor Mete. And I think it also makes even more sense considering that it is more likely than not that Colin Miller will not be a Sabre tomorrow. So why not bring on a 22 year old defenseman who has good defensive impacts and you can actually get a look out of to see if it might turn into a steal for you or do you want that? Or do you want to just watch Matt Irwin for 18 more games? Like it's such an obvious choice. And so it is a, I had said on Twitter like a, a few days ago that I wanted them to claim Nick Merkley from the devils that it seemed like it made sense. And, you know, I wasn't expecting them to, and I wouldn't, I mean, I, it wasn't going to drive me nuts if they didn't, but it, I thought would have been like a smart little cheap pull to, to bring him on. But with Mete, it is grand slam you need to bring that guy on and you need to claim him. So I'm very, very, very much hoping that they're able to claim him. I don't know off the top of my head, but I don't believe that them claiming Drake Cagula has any impact on their waiver priority, but Mete home run. I hope by the time that everybody's listening to this, that he is, he's announced that he's been claimed by the Sabres, because I think that that's a really nice piece that not only for filling in the way the rest of this year, but he might be somebody that you can get on a really cheap deal this off season and have a steal. Cause that's what you need. You don't have much of that on this team right now where you have a contract that's like, this is a steal at a very nice discount. And Mete seems like the perfect kind of guy to be able to have that on your roster with. So that's just my piece on him. I don't have anything more really to say on the trade deadline. Do you at all though? You good?
1: what do you think call's going to
0: go for do you think we'll get a first for him
1: a first a prospect that won't pan out and another guy
0: i'm into just that be a
1: guy doesn't even have to be a hockey player
0: mm-hmm. just a person yeah i bring on somebody new to like work at the concession stand maybe
1: i mean they're probably going to start needing people right well next year
0: at some point could be interesting you heard it here first folks all right do you have anything that you would like to to recommend to the people today taylor
1: i do what do you got uh, so i watched an interesting movie last week i've watched a couple interesting movies actually I'm trying to think which one i should uh you know what i'm just gonna go with another one i don't i might have said this you know what i actually did say that one already so i'm not gonna say it again Hmm. which one do I, these i want to go with you know what i'm gonna recommend a hockey movie because i watched it on friday Sudden mm-hmm. Death with Jean-Claude Van Damme. I don't think
0: I've ever seen that one. Was yeah, it? it's not
1: good. I was <laughs> going to say,
0: it sounds terrible.
1: Yeah, it's a diehard off. The thing that's weird about it is I always thought, like, okay, it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. It takes place during games, quote-unquote, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh, Chicago, which was a real cup a couple years earlier, but it didn't go to Game 7. Uh, and it's, it's basically like a diehard type scenario, like, this average ordinary guy except instead of a cop this time he's a firefighter and it's Jean-Claude Van Damme not Bruce Willis the villain's played by Powers Booth and is fine a lot of the movie's fine but it's I thought it was going to be really stupid like and that's what it was going to be like the kind of like really really dumb like action movie type thing Mm -hmm. like a bad movie like oh it's so so bad it's good but like it's actually like just regular not good <laughs> <So> like because <laughs> like, there's some cool things with it it's like okay the diehard formula is uh tried and true so the plan was actually like a good plan a lot of that was interesting some good stakes some good action scenes Like John claude Van Damme is like the worst actor that's ever lived I'm not breaking any grounds here it's like a 27 year old movie but like he's awful you know in these movies he, does he do have a weird he has a cool name like he might because he can do cool stunts, I think he did his own stunts. Makes you think. Yeah, I mean, like when you have Steven Seagal movies, you go in, no, it's gonna be, it's it's gonna be bad. Yeah, this yeah. is seemed like it was had the bones of a pretty okay movie, a pretty okay action movie, and it's like, man, you have to be alone a lot in these movies. Bruce Willis is alone for almost all of Die Hard, to act alone. Now you have to be really talented to do that, to pull that off, and to be a convincing action hero. It's like, man, John claude Van Dam is a worse actor than me. I could have done a better job. I couldn't have done the stunts, though, so maybe that's why they wanted him. Probably wouldn't have done as well box office-wise, either. People probably wouldn't have been interested in seeing I would have went. I would have went opening night. Wow. I appreciate that. Of course. So that sounds like I'm putting it down, but uh, that's my recommendation because it's a hockey movie.
0: Okay. I'm going to recommend something that I actually liked. Uh, (laughs) That's weird. I don't like What's that?
1: Why? why
0: i guess that's fair because we have to have that like nice little balance oh, okay, uh, i'm gonna sure. do a song i don't think i've ever done like a song i've always done like albums when it comes to uh artists or just artists in general but i'm gonna do like a song slash artist in general that i just came across this week uh for any rap fans out there i don't know if you've heard of her before but uh taylor i don't know if you have uh princess nokia have you ever heard of her at all no. she has this really cool song called yeah uh, cool song called gemini that i had come across like like a week ago and i've been listening to it non-stop has really like kind of like a cool 90s beat but she has this really amazing like low kind of voice that she kind of alternates through with like her other like rap she has like two rap voices that she kind of goes back and forth from and she has this one like just her low voice is just so like smooth and silky and her flow is wild on this song so gemini by princess nokia check her out, check that song out, check out her other stuff too. Like she's, she's really, really cool. Has a really cool style. I went and like looked up some YouTube videos of her, like different like live performances and stuff. And it seemed like in every video that I had come across, she looked like a different person. So she has like a really cool, unique sense of style. Um, if you're looking for a good live performance of it too, there's this like internet show called a color show, which I'm sure probably a lot of viewers have come across if you're like big music fans, but essentially the concept of it is, is that you're in a room that is one color and you have a microphone hanging down. They play the backing track and then you just like sing or do whatever you do over the, like the track. And it's really, really cool. Um, she has a live performance of the song on that on YouTube. Definitely go check it out. But uh, that is my, that's my uh, recommendation for, for the week. Who's your random Sabres player.
1: Hmm. This is interesting. I want to go with a trade deadline legend. I was too. Who you got? Steve Bernier. Oh my God. He was mine too. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Trade deadline king. Yeah. Trade deadline. He was yeah. at a lot, of, a lot of bad trade deadlines over the years. Steve Many. Bernier is right up there. Well, him and Rafi Torres, probably the two worst.
0: I think we need to get Steve Bernier and, and, and vaclav Verrata now on the pod. Two I of agree. our faves. Two of I, our faves. We love them.
1: I'm just good. I mean, I'd much rather have Vakalov-Rada if I could. Oh, I know
0: that. I mean, that goes without saying, but I'm just saying trade deadline King. I'd love to know what he has to think about trade deadlines and how it feels to score in his first game with a new team after a deadline and then just never score again.
1: Yeah. Fair. Yeah. He he may
0: have never scored again the rest of his career for all I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he did. He did. He scored
1: after the deadline. He, what? He He had two goals. In his first game. Right. One more goal for the rest of the year.
0: Did he really? He did score another. Okay. Okay. I, it it's all still incredible, together. though. Very much so. Very much so. All right, everybody. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, you're also taking in the great news about a very fun Taylor Hall trade, but that will remain to be seen. But – in the meantime, we would just like to remind you that this show is brought to you by both the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. And this episode, as you had heard at the top of the episode and many of the episodes that we've had over the last handful of weeks and through the rest of this season, is brought to you by DraftKings. And make sure you're checking out DraftKings and using the promo code THPN at sign up to take advantage of sweet discounts on all the upcoming sporting events that you want to bet your money on but also make sure you're checking out the presenters of this show. As I had said before, both the hockey podcast network and Buffalo fanatics. If you're looking for hockey content of the playoff teams that Taylor was talking about earlier in the episode, the hockey podcast network is a great choice. You have hosts in the respective markets for each of the 31 NHL teams. And a a bunch of other really great content in addition to those shows. And then on top of that, we are also presented by Buffalo Fanatics, which is the one-stop shop for all things Buffalo Bills that you're needing to learn about and know as we are deep into the off season now and getting closer and closer to the NFL draft. So make sure you're following them on their social platforms and checking out their respective podcasts, wherever you stream. And also make sure you're checking out us on social media. You can find Taylor and myself at Brendan one, four, two, three, and at Nigrelli 93, respectively on Twitter. And you can find the show straight up sabers on Facebook and Instagram at straight up sabers and on Twitter at straight sabers. Thank you all very much. We will be back to break down the outcome of the trade deadline with you in our next episode on Thursday. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon, folks.